Hi there, my name is Emma Baker, and you're listening to Stargirl. Today is May 1st, 2022, and it's currently 66 degrees and sunny in Brooklyn, New York. So, yeah, welcome to Stargirl. It's a show about girls who stand out. So I spent a lot of time in my life um, thinking about and stalking online and gossiping about girls who capture my attention. Um, I tend to get fixated on people I meet or hear about or read about or see lots of images on that um, for some reason just have this special quality that makes me more interested in them, whether or not I like their vibe, their style, what they're representing in culture, whatever. Um, And these can be people like in pop culture, in the media, um, just people on the periphery of my social scenes that I meet and just like for, yeah, for whatever reason become fixated on. And um, so what is a star girl? I think this is not... um, a mixed down definition by any means. I'm trying to articulate this category of people in my mind that exist in culture that um, that really generate conversation, positive and negative. So I think one criteria I've thought of is um, a star girl is peerless. So there's this sense that she's singular. She occupies this really one of one space and she's not necessarily a leader or a loner, but she might be. But um, this girl has to like stand out in some way and give the impression that she um, is really independent. Um, A star girl has to define a moment in time. So I guess one way to think about this is like a star girl is a quintessential X. So there are either people that are kind of creating their own genre or that rise to the top of an existing genre that's for some reason lacking cohesiveness or a name or even just a main character so yeah they're often like women who get under your skin whether you like them or hate them um you're just you find yourself yeah fixated on them um and I guess they can often be really polarizing characters but they're not necessarily steeped in controversy or like intentionally provocative um but nevertheless like I said there's something that makes people just just irritated (laughs) just irritated by them and they they can be beautiful this is an important point I don't think that um beauty is a requirement of this kind of category of girls who stand out um there are certainly lots of people on like my personal star girls list that we would like consider sex symbols but like certainly not all um but yeah I think just if we think of people that generate conversation And again, like I said, they exist at every tier, mass culture, kind of like cult level and like weird niche (laughs) online spaces um, or types. And then, yeah, girls that you know, I can think of a million girls that I know that I'm like, what's up with her? So with all of that said, um, today I'm going to talk about Audrey Gelman. She's best known as the founder and former CEO of The Wing, which was a women-only co-working space that was really big and present in the cultural consciousness from like 2016 to 2020. And Audrey is kind of a weird character to start with for this show um, for a few reasons. One, 
she never had the kind of mass appeal that we might think of for like an iconic generation defining character even though she did really define a a generation in um in more ways than one um but her reach was always pretty contained to majority millennial professional women living in big cities during the trump years um and these are women who might like control and or appear in kind of um institutional media so they have that sort of built in like you should care about this kind of thing that may or may not like trickle down into mass culture but um certainly the like audrey has a presence and she catered to people who either had or really desired um this type of presence but certainly she's not on the scale of like a reality star or a singer or something like that um another reason it's kind of weird to start with her is no one's really been thinking about her for a couple of years um but this is coming after a few years when people were like intensely preoccupied with the wing with Audrey Gelman and really people like tuckered themselves out talking about hearing about thinking about the phenomenon of the wing um but yeah like here and now today in 2022 she's not like super on the radar um or polarizing even if her legacy is um but I why I chose to start with her is because I feel like talking about Audrey talking about the wing talking about like um kind of what they helped to really, really bring to the surface about culture at this time, which again is like 2016 to 2020, um, will really help us lay some groundwork. I think she's a great character in and of herself, someone that definitely stood out to me well before um, The Wing was like at the height of its success and popularity. Um, But yeah, The Wing really typifies this particular era and brand of feminism and of like millennial consciousness and i think that so many other things particularly in this like tricky feminism femininity realm um have really reacted against it really at every tier of culture so audrey gelman first came on my radar in 2012 um in the first season of girls lena dunham's show that was on hbo um and Audrey appears in season one, episode seven, The Craxident. So this is the episode where the whole gang like hauls out to this Bushwick warehouse party and like whatever. There's a series of shenanigans that they're getting into, whatever. So, um, and Marnie is there, played by Allison Williams, and it's the first time she's going to see her ex-boyfriend, Charlie. Um, Audrey Gumman plays Charlie's new girlfriend and she like runs up to him wearing this like flower crown and her hair's all like um ratted up in this kind of like weird like ponytail situation and she climbs all over charlie and um marnie's just like really um shocked and disgusted and threatened and she has this great line where she's just like i just saw charlie get climbed by a tiny navajo which is just like at that time very very few checks on um on Lena Dunham scripting <laughs> and so yeah so she plays charlie's new girlfriend and she appears several other times throughout that in the second episode or excuse me the second season um and 
Yeah, she's a really like hateable, enviable character in this role. Like in many ways, she's perfectly cast. She's literally like the worst nightmare of who your ex could date after you. Like she's ultimately super unlikable, but she's beautiful and she's successful and she's teeny tiny. Um, oh yeah, she's starting like a mustard company or something, right? Just so she's like a super irritating, but nonetheless threatening chick <laughs> like but yeah so she has these huge doe eyes and this mega long like gorgeous brown hair and um she's presented to us in this care in this role point blank as just like a girl you'd be jealous of a girl you would stalk talk shit about just become totally obsessed with like in the in marnie's point of view um and something interesting to me is like this is kind of the sexiest we ever saw audrey like um her beauty and her physical ebullience are like really center stage she's like you know tiny tons of energy like kind of spazzy but like just really like electric kind of girl um and we don't really see her that way in what became her public facing career really at all Oh, yeah. And so um, Audrey was childhood friends with Lena Dunham and then they attended Oberlin together. And actually, apparently, um, Marnie, the character of Marnie was originally based off of Audrey. And I never really got that because I think the time by the time that like Audrey and her success with the wing was really like in my brain, at least I was just like, wait, she's just like extremely ambitious, extremely put together. Like this girl is like dotting her I's and crossing her T's, whereas the character of Marnie is just like um just pathetic but more so just lost like always just extremely extremely lost um so I never really got that comparison but um I guess like looking back at earlier seasons of girls when Marnie Marnie is like the most put together of the four of them she's like the one with the like art gallery job and she has a boyfriend and like and she certainly believes herself to be doing all of the right things like it ends up not really amounting to anything ever in part because she has like no no real rudder but um so I did see glimpses of like that type of like um kind of really like straight up unironic like people pleasing ambition in both of them in both Marnie the character and Audrey the persona that we got as consumers um and then but I, then I remember this one time, so sorry, I'm like jumping around, but in 2017, a couple years into the wing being open, seeing that they were having some event for their members that you could come and like get stick and poke tattoos. And I remember just thinking like, oh, now I see, now I see the relation between our Audrey and Marnie. Like there's kind of just this like, this very like, um desperation and but and simultaneously this like sincerity around like really wanting to be liked and be cool and like just you know these kind of just like random attempts to like connect with people or like get everybody on the same level and it's like just kind of like what is a sponsored stick and poke tattoo slumber party like i was just like this is just really off but i see the marnie shining through so anyways that's neither here nor there but just um, a key memory for me in this whole in this saga so okay so that was her on girls first time she came into my consciousness i definitely was like oh who is this chick i wanted to learn more about her so in real life at this time um so she had actually left oberlin mid-college and moved to dc to work on hillary's 2008 um, presidential campaign which 
was obviously an L for all involved, but that got her like started in the political realm. And then I guess she moved to New York. And um, so far as I can tell, her like big break was working as the like deputy communications director for the campaign for Scott Stringer, who was running for one running for and won like the NYC comptroller position. And I yeah, I don't know what a controller is, but um, I just looked this up and this is what she was doing in 2013. Oh, also like around this time she had dated Terry Richardson for a couple of years, which also I have no comment on, but just um, lol. And um, but yeah, she was certainly like racking up like media interest in herself. She had a couple profiles in like big New York outlets and the Times and I believe in the Post too. Um, so there's this like awareness of her as this kind of like ambitious plugged in young woman who's like making a splash and, um, you know, she was on 30 under 30 in the like political category and she did later go on to be in 40 under 40 in business once the wing got rolling. But yeah, I would say her persona at this point is like bright young thing, right? She has this really like collegiate energy to her she kind of like reminds you of like the editor of your college newspaper or something and she's like more appealing than Hermione Granger or like Lisa Simpson but it is kind of that vibe like it's kind of like grown-up cosmopolitan Miranda Cosgrove energy honestly right she's super put together but she's not standoffish she's got this like stacked resume she's getting her shit done she's on time very like color-coded planner vibe um I guess like the modern version of all of this might be like the that girl trend on TikTok but like the specific signifiers you know like slick bun and delicate gold jewelry and like morning workout and smoothie are like have all been slightly iterated upon but like there's yeah there's elements of just like how would we even say like cleanliness yeah hygiene discipline yeah, and I guess just, like, classical lateral ambition. Like, it's, like, not, like, a stupidity, but it is just kind of this, like, unquestioning faith in, like, um, like what getting to the top looks like or something, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, okay, that's, I think of that as her in-betweener. Between me seeing her on Girls and her starting the wing, as if those are, like, the... <laughs> the her setting the stage of her career is just in between her where I wasn't paying attention to her um anyway so then in 2016 um she started the wing okay so let's get into it so she starts the wing um she raises a ton of investor money so it's this women-only co-working space that you can get a monthly membership to I believe dues were around like 250 bucks a month for um like all access or whatever um they also hosted events and they had you know guest speakers and kind of yeah whatever they it was much larger than just like a place to work outside of your office um at its height I believe there were 11 locations 10 in big U.S. cities like a couple in New York one in West Hollywood in Boston D.C. Chicago San Francisco of course um and then one in London but a huge, huge part of what the wing was is what it looked like, right? So not only like the physical spaces, but how the brand was projected out um, to the world. Um, so like I think 
some of the most like common associations for this time are like millennial pink pastels jack's wife frida the butcher's daughter girl boss like nameplate necklaces like suddenly everyone was wearing them again um notorious <laughs> notorious rbg merch like inspirational keychains um words and phrases just on everything like either in cursive or that like font of spiritual gangster you know what i'm talking about like that kind of vibe um so all of these things have kind of now been calcified into like what we call millennial aesthetic but i but it was really audrey who was like via the wing really just like turning up the saturation on all of this and being like this is now this is today um the interiors of the like the the furniture and the spaces was just like really overly geometric like unnecessarily so like everything was like curvilinear curvilinear i don't know how you say that word but everything was like you know like a rounded snug little armchair and like a triangle but then it goes into like a silly slope or something like it was just all very weird um and like very playful and cutesy not serious um like very girly i guess um and the detail that um kept being passed around that kind of like everyone pointed to as like kind of like this place is so annoying was like they had rainbow bookcases so this meant that the bookcases were not organized by um like author name or genre but by just like color of the book binding and so it was just like in rainbow organization so it's like that would be impossible to find a book right so um that was kind of pointed to as like oh this place is purporting to be for like smart intellectually driven empowered women but you can't even find the book that you want so it's just like whatever um but i was always like okay honestly the apps on my phone are color-coded rainbow so like I get it. <laughs> we all have that impulse. So, um, okay. What else? Like the wing was really focused on like career as the route to emancipation, both like financial and like somehow spiritual. Right. So it's very like rise and grind, like namaste kind of energy. Um, right. And so, yeah, again, kind of closest mass culture brand associations would be like Glossier, Everlane, Reformation, Outdoor Voices, basically like everything that the New Yorker made Gia Tolentino do a deep dive into around 2018, 2019. These were like prime the wing associated ideas. Um, and oh, and AOC, how could I forget? There's like, oh, there's actually this, this great old post. I forgot about it. Um, of Audrey and AOC at some like event that they were doing together like um somewhere in Brooklyn this was after AOC had already won so this is like 20 end of 2018 I guess must have been um she and they're like posing and they weirdly like do look very similar like you know or different expressions of the same root or something <laughs> like they both have that like long straight kind of thin brown hair and these huge eyes and like um, I don't know, pretty like defined smaller lips and they were both anyways and their faces are pressed together and they're smiling and then like the caption was like, OMG, we're wearing the same glasses or something. And I was just, I don't know. I, I just got such a, I got such a kick out of it. Um, anyways, so it was this, this huge kind of like um, self-inferred clapback moment where we had all of these girls being like, this is girl power like this is how we're gonna win the revolution Me.
So, yeah, like the wing was basically criticized as soon as it opened, but it took a few years, I would say, until about 2018 um, for that criticism to get like really mainstream. Um, I moved to New York in 2018 for a writing program, and I remember feeling like everyone I knew, myself included, was on this quest to write like the ultimate wing takedown piece. Like this was going to be like all of us thought this was going to be like our magnum opus and we were just like collecting all of these little data points and like trying to out critique the other one you know and like these pieces started coming out and they were all kind of orbiting around the same kinds of critiques but it was really really difficult to pin down like actually what was the problem for it but um I'm not going to get too into the like nuances of all of these critiques, but at a high level, so what were they? Um, one, it's classist. This is only for women who can afford it. Um, two, it's not as inclusive as it purports to be. You know, the messaging was like, we are open to like all types of women, um, but you did have to apply. And um, so, you know, they were really just like trying to do the representation just right. And it was very obvious, right? So you would see like all of these different like colors and body types, but like ultimately like it was all the same sort of like creative, entrepreneurial, media, literary types um, and all like in, you know, that wore the same brands and that like were of the same class of a sense. Um, also the so the wing was open to like women and non-binary individuals um but i think that they got caught up in a bit of a little like shit storm over like precise language and i feel like they just like kind of had some like branding messaging hiccups like kind of stumbling through all of like the correct terminology of things which just like you know again whole, holes being poked in the narrative and actually in 2018 this man who had applied and been denied membership because he was a man filed a lawsuit claiming gender discrimination and that 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 ultimately made like forced the wing to like write, rewrite their membership policy and like to this day they're like open to all and then, so that was like one set of early on critiques. Um, but there was a whole other set which were just focused around the aesthetics of the place, which really, really got under people's skin. Like um, a lot of talk about it being really like infantilizing to women. Um, a lot of it just, just like, it was really annoying for some reason, right? It was really just like two, two. Like it really hit people over the head with what they were maybe already doing and consuming, but just like, on steroids and it felt really suffocating for some reason to see all of these signifiers of stuff that everyone was doing anyway but like stuffed together and packaged and just like exploding in your face all of the time um also it's it's also worth noting that like though the wing had all of these different pillars of like content right so like the space itself was content and then the um they had a magazine called no man's land and that was like its own thing their social media was like just crazy it felt like it was just like it was ever it was really really everywhere you know it was becoming very like omniscient especially if you were like um 24 years old in new york at the time which i was so this is all to say that there was like a lot of ammo 
behind taking the wing down when it actually came to that point in 2020. Um, and again, those allegations were all the kind of same stuff that we like heard over that summer. Um, right. So it's like people not being treated equally ostensibly on the basis of race, Audrey just being a horrendous boss. Um, I guess there was like one or a few cases of women of color being denied maternity leave. Yeah. Just kind of general preferential treatment to white workers or people in like the strategic behind the scenes versus the public facing roles. Um, but yeah, this was all like part of the kind of down with the girl boss moment of summer 2020, like Tyler Haney of Outdoor Voices, Leandra Medine at Man Repeller, countless other cases of like, we are bringing this shit down. Um, so yeah, but I guess my point is like, I'm not really going to debate the like merits or whatever of, of, these allegations <laughs> it's more just that the my point is like well before anybody had a concrete reason to point to they really 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 wanted to sink this ship um like so all of these critiques are just like actually kind of unsatisfying because we don't know like we never really got no one ever really articulated what was so irritating about the wing and about Audrey Gelman and I think it's kind of hard because we're like so far culturally beyond this now like it's hard to transport ourselves back to a time and a mindset where the wing was appealing but also even to a time where any of that was threatening like I think like the the aesthetics of the wing now just seem like totally benign and whatever but there I know that there was a moment and I know that I got caught up in that moment of being like fuck this shit like what it really resonated with a lot of people and it really got under a lot of people's skin. Um, so I guess I'm kind of like trying to figure out like why it was all so appealing. Um, you know, one point that is like both a too easy, like kind of cop out answer, but also probably a real factor is that like after Trump was elected, mainstream liberals, liberal feminists were really floundering and they really were craving a way to match volume to what they perceived of like the absolute chaos of the Trump administration. And so there was this loud, crazed, totally unfocused political energy around revolution and just like displays of resistance, right? And this, so that's one thing. Number two is that um, this was a time when Instagram was still fully reigning as the app of choice. And so there was really an emphasis on Instagrammable experiences. I'm thinking of like the museum of ice cream and just like location tag energy in general. And so Audrey was aware of that and she tapped into that, right? She knew that she knew that people were looking to forge their life into content. And she was also aware that one of the biggest ways to, um, build social capital was to have a cause attached to the experiences that you were having so the wing provided a beautiful place to photograph and a reason <laughs> they had a where and a why <laughs> um the third thing is um this is a time when there was like a huge spotlight on high powered women. Like think of all the clamor over like Sheryl Sandberg, even Emily Weiss, um, women in STEM, 
And it's really the last time, at least up until now, that being a businesswoman was like a viable route to celebrity status, right? <laughs> like, and um, and there was like, a, you were really, really lauded for being a woman in business. Um, yeah, actually, Audrey appeared on the Inc. magazine, which again, not something that I ever knew about until I saw her post about it. Um, but she was on the cover of Inc. magazine when she was super pregnant. And she was, you know, there was all this chatter about like the first visible pregnant woman who's ever appeared on a business magazine cover. Um, so right, like that, that kind of like ideal of like, mother ex CEO was like, really, um, I don't know. It had a big effect on people. It was really, it was a type of idol. Okay. And then the other pillar, so the fourth pillar, one, Trump, two, Instagram, three, businesswoman. <laughs> businesswoman vibes. Four is this was really, to my mind, the height of snark feminism, right? Like women got really, really crass. And like the loudest examples are like the pink hats, not going to say the word, um, and this like reclamation, quote unquote reclamation of like the nasty woman, right? Um, but yeah, it was a time when women were really socially incentivized to re-understand themselves as a victim or just like abstractly disempowered at work, in their romantic relationships, whatever. And And the solution presented to them was to adopt this sort of give no fucks, loud, brash vibe, right? There was all this emphasis on like taking up space, right? And this is when words like mansplaining and manspreading were like always like ever present and thrown around. Um, and I think this kind of like bravado, this like feminist bravado kind of almost, like it really went to some crazy ends. And I almost think it kind of morphed into this like, if your boyfriend's not cucked, then you're not a feminist vibe, right? Think of all the like dump him rhetoric and like t-shirts and whatever. And I remember this, I remember the punchline of Ali Wong's like, oh my gosh, what was that Netflix special called? Baby Cobra, Baby Cobra. I think this was in like 2017. The punchline of her like hour long stand up Netflix comedy special was that you know, she's this kind of like ditzy entertainment person and her husband who had gone to Harvard Business School like actually had racked up a ton of debt and then like she got to pay it off and it was like the mic drop moment, whatever. Um, but I just, I remember feeling like that is so weird and sad. Like why is, why is like feminism morphing into just like sh emasculating our partners, right? But it obviously resonated with people on this scale and like, I guess, yeah, I just think of it as like girl power in its most like, unhinged most crass form ladies 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 are we smart are we strong have we had enough of the bullshit
Sorry, I know that was a really long clip, but I just, I needed you to hear it all. Um, okay, but okay, I found this, um, like, what do you call it, a slideshow, swipe through on, on Audrey's Instagram. Um, this was posted on March, this was posted in March 2019, and um, according to the caption, it's like her early references for the wing, so I'm just going to like read some of them to you. So the first slide is... Um, quote that says in each woman there is something of the kamikaze okay the next slide is a still from sex in the city it's miranda and carrie um and miranda looks like she's like just taken a bite of like a cupcake i think that is and and the subtitles at the bottom say i forgot about my boyfriend is that normal um the next one is this piece of graph paper laid over like a lacy maybe piece of lingerie and um, in handwriting on the graph paper, it says, female friendship is a site of resistance. The next is a train car, and it says women only on it, like a subway car. The next is a black and white image of five young women with kind of curled hair, and they're all smoking cigarettes and like playing cards. Maybe they're gambling. I don't know. They're doing some bad girl activities as a group. Um, there's another one where it's, um, where it's like a still from, I think probably like a, like a local news spot or something, um, of Lil' Kim, but I don't know why it's written out Little Kim, L-I-T-T-L-E, Little Kim. Anyways, and it says in quotes, Junior Mafia. Then the next is this kind of like all these like, um, blank vistas crossed out and it says, Beware male artists making artwork about emptiness. Nothing does not belong to you. Girls own the void. Back off, fuckers. Okay. Then there's a, like, tattoo. It, you know, it honestly, this might be a stick and poke. Um, on, like, someone's ribs that says, in all caps, Girl Almighty. And then there's, oh, oh this one's sweet. It's like a, um, a picture of a group of girls with like old I wish I like knew more about history about like fashion history so I could like date these but all these women in hats if someone goes and looks up this post please tell me where this is when this is from oh my god it literally says it in the caption oh my god okay this is from the bachelor girls library club in 1902 uh, maybe about a dozen women in two rows like all with their arms draped over each other smiling at the camera so okay if, if my earlier references didn't do it justice that those, those were that was what she was going for. So what does Audrey look like at this time? So she, the wing's been open for a couple of years and, um, you know, she's squarely the face of it. And, um, yeah, she's really like experiencing the height of her career. Um, and, um, she's still kind of stuck in like twee land, but she's also very classically preppy. Um, there's like this emphasis on kind of awkwardness and bookishness, but like mount fast mounting confidence. 
she's wearing like oversized glasses and striped boat neck long sleeves white wide leg denim there's lots of like mustard and cherry red and sea foam and like camel coats um and she wasn't a warby parker ad so you know, she, she's very, like, invested in not appearing intimidating and appearing as someone who is, like, approachable, particularly to women. Um, and, but there must have been something threatening about her, right? Like, I don't mean to, like, shoehorn this, but I back to the character that she played on Girls, I do think that she really does have this energy of, like, the perfect your ex's new girlfriend type right? Super put together, super successful in her job and kind of like whipping the man you used to have who was kind of a scrub when you were together, like into shape, right? So she's kind of like, she's like cleaning, cleaning house and she is going forward and like, you know, she's, she's never hung over. She never needs reassurance. She's like absolutely not sloppy in any way. Um, she's like beautiful, small, smiley, super energetic but she's like laser focused on her own ambition i think often about the nature artifice continuum just like in general of culture like this is kind of the two poles that the pendulum of culture swings between so on one end you have like prioritizing naturalness and on the other hand you have culture prioritizing artificiality and so if we were to kind of chart the wing on it it was definitely like a high artifice time in culture and do not come for me and say what about no makeup no makeup what about paraben free skincare no no that's what's important is that mainstream society in this time 2016 to 2020 most especially like 2018 2019 Society was putting its trust in technology over nature, okay, artifice over nature. So technology in this case, of course, refers to the literal tech boom, but also to my mind includes progressive politics and the way it was deployed at this time, right? We had this heavy, like, better world by design energy, right? We were all really thinking about the world as a series of man-made structures that we got ourselves into, that we designed ourselves into, and that we could design ourselves out of, whether that's political systems, physical spaces, corporate hierarchy, whatever. I think more than anything at this time, liberals really wanted to believe in power as an element that they could control, manipulate, design, deploy to bring the world into harmony and had and again, we're really resistant to the idea that the natural order of things is harmony in and of itself. Okay, so how did this kind of like overemphasis on artifice over nature manifest in feminine ideal? Okay, we can like look to Audrey as a prime example. So the, the ideal woman at this time is someone who strategized who knew how to use social political financial technological tools to her advantage um someone could who could be um you know someone who was in the workforce someone who was financially independent you know girls who wore pants or what i meant girls who wore the pants in their relationship (laughs) but i guess also who wore pants um who could start and run a company who was literally designing or manifesting this life of success that had previously only been available to men right and there was a lot of energy around this people were really excited this was the way that we were going going to rebalance what seemed like just this like unbelievably chaotic and evil time at the highest level it was about taking traditional 
male roles and just putting a girl on it. <laughs> But I think like all these on the ground um, kind of governance issues and aesthetic irritations aside, I do think that there was a like real deep psychological dissonance that, that people had with the wing. Um, I think the main thing that opened Audrey up to so much criticism was this kind of central hypocrisy that um, this feeling that people had that with the wing she was trying to be both exclusive and inclusive at once right and the problem with inclusivity is that if you're listing who you're available to you're bound to leave someone out or mislabel them and okay then that gets called out and then you have a pr issue on your hands and it's embarrassing and you have to apologize and just like it's an ugly cycle to like watch and i assume to be in <laughs> and um but it really was this kind of margin of difference and this confusion over wait is this supposed to be like an exclusive site for people that meet xyz criteria or is this like an open to all place um i was talking about this with my friend jenna and she reminded me that like and she she was actually the one that reminded me of this and she was like yeah like no one's like mad at soho house branding right like if you actually have the confidence to just be exclusive no one really cares right it's when you have this like margin of difference when you have this weak link in your messaging and then people can like um people can take advantage of that and this also just happened to be a time where people were like obsessed with like calling out curation I guess like people were really getting into being like Instagram versus reality or like remember this is a highlight reel and for some reason it felt super satisfying to search for and reveal moments of hyper curation right there was this idea that curation was like necessarily disingenuous so I think that Audrey with the wing had created this stage for herself and people were really eager to apply those like authenticity sleuthing skills to her work whether that was like you know so there was like sisterhood is this sisterhood is fake this activism is fake you're fake blah blah okay whatever you know these highly instagrammable experiences don't betray the ugly truth of this like mismanaged organization you know that was really like somehow fertile and exciting territory for people to explore um but I also think that the wing did affect people on a personal level that there was this more immediate identity level threat than these kind of larger abstract quasi-political or aesthetic you know problems that people had with it and I think it came down to kind of two camps so either a you didn't feel like there was a place for you there or b you felt too close to what it was refracting and you sensed the critique and you internalized it and you didn't want to risk being implicated in it right so I don't know personally I remember feeling kind of both like um it wasn't that I couldn't have fit in there. I was certainly like engaging with a lot of the ideas that they were putting out and I was shopping at a lot of places that they felt associated with um, and I really could have never afforded a wing membership. And I think I felt this just like enormous cringe factor at myself of like, oh, on one hand, like I appear like I could belong here, but I actually can't, not only because I can't afford it, but also because I had achieved like no measure of professional success, nor did I have any clear ambitions outside of like expressing myself. <laughs> 
Anyways, I, yeah, I guess I just think in general we get really enraged when we see a brand that is uniting under one umbrella, all of the things that we're doing and buying and the places we're going, and we just like want to feel like we are thinking independently, right? Like it just, it just like feels really like you get really grossed out at yourself and the company who is refracting all your consumer choices back to you. And they're like, you're, you're a type. And then you're like, ew, I hate my type. Right. Like you never, it's like the thing when you never want to like, you need like one element of a starter pack to not be true for you. Right. Like it's just like, no, please. Like, no, blah, whatever. But, um, I think more than anything, we were angered and grossed out to see the mirror that was being reflected back at us. Um, and just like, yeah, it was like a, just a tipping, a natural tipping point in culture, right? Like that type of, that type of, that particular definition of feminism and femininity just like wasn't sustainable. And the wing turned up the saturation on all of these things um, in culture, flimsy sisterhood and resistance efforts, like this like kind of idea of this this badass female shark entrepreneur, these cutesy, babyish, curvilineal, <laughs> these cutesiest, these cutesy, babyish aesthetics, the snark, money, and I, yeah, we just got sick of it. So, yeah, so, so, so Audrey stepped down as a CEO in 2020, and thereafter, Lauren Kassan, I think that's how you pronounce her name, who was the co-founder, along with Audrey, like moved into the CEO position. And okay, this is like how you know that Audrey's a star girl, right? Because she actually did have a business partner, Lauren, throughout this all, but you never hear about her or think about her, right? Like Audrey, she was the poster child, villain, martyr, the whole thing. She was the face of the entire operation. Um, and I think that she will remain the face of the wing, even though she has not been like legally, officially associated with it for two years. Um, but... Yeah, she was the, what's that word for part of a, part of the whole, stand in for the part of synecdoche, synecdoche, she was the synecdoche. And then this other woman who I guess used to be there, like CMO, took over as CEO um, in 2021. So yeah, the wing, the wing still exists. There's fewer locations and now it's open to anyone. And I guess their like practices and programming have changed, but it's so low profile. Like I actually honestly didn't even know that it was still in operation until I had to like brush up on my, on my stats for, the, <laughs> for this episode. But right. Because without the lead character of Audrey, there's just like not, we can't really like get it up to critique it, you know? Um, and that's why I think that like, so, so many of the problems that we ended up having with the wing ultimately get traced back to this, like, furiousness that Audrey as a character incited in so many people that she was in so many ways just like she was she was just like too perfect kind of um and I think that they felt threatened by her but not you know but she's not like so so gorgeous or so charismatic that she had something to get people super riled up about it's just that she 
the overnight success and idolatry of her is just like, yeah, people don't like that narrative. They want to bring someone like that down. And ironically, I feel like sans or with a different political agenda, there's like actually a huge appetite for like a girls only social club. Like they would, it would have to be like bridge and French 75s and martinis and like just just it would have to be a more decadent space um and it would have to be like fully absent of the political hell raising but i think that um audrey actually could have done a good job with that (laughs) so yeah like i said she's been pretty quiet on social media for the past two years um she actually hasn't posted on her grid um since 2020 (laughs) but she did just her name started popping up again because she just opened this boutique in um, cobble hill in brooklyn it's called the six bells and um so yeah i was just i was just seeing some little media buzz about first time i had heard about her in a long time um and i don't see this as like a like a redemption or like phoenix rising from the ashes kind of story just because the scale is so much smaller and like yeah it's just it doesn't really seem like a project that's trying to like compete with or erase the legacy of the wing i think she's just like she's an ambitious gal she's she's got capital leisure a family now like she wants to she wants to try her hand again so anyways yeah the six bells is this kind of like English, French, farmhouse, homewares place, but also like American homestead in some ways. Um, But yeah, they have like nice dishes and tablecloths and candles, jams, woven baskets, wooden tables, quilts. And um, yeah, I went last week and yeah, it's really beautiful. Like it's well done for what it is. I guess she kind of infused it with some weird like lore like it's supposed to be based on this fictional town actually it's a parish according to the website called barrows green and so she's curating and so she's creating this like it's almost like it's like a like it's like a it's like a reenactment of this like fictional parish (laughs) with the store like you know those like um you'll go to like a historical site and they have like set up like the servants quarters and they're like they used to like have like this is where they would like do the butter or whatever like that's kind of the vibe of that so um yeah and on the walls there are like all these portraits of these like fictional townspeople there's like lord and lady ashburn and the town gossip and the mystery writer and the there's yeah there's like a town rabbi so yeah can't couldn't quite place the like Uh, location or demographics of the fictional town of Barrows Green that she's animating with the store but like nothing offended me (laughs) like so fine um yeah and then there's all these stacks of kind of like well well well-worn books with really like vague titles like English style and like American folk art and like British literary essays and yeah just it's like kind of overwrought but like I don't know what what yeah i don't know it's like woman loves kitsch like just yeah i feel like audrey just like is over the top right like she's proved herself to be over the top <laughs> um so she's created this nice little shop in brooklyn and i think like that's enough and maybe should have maybe it's actually just like what the wing always should have been just 
consumables with no attendant political agenda. Just like let people have nice things. Yeah, I asked my friend Jenna, who I mentioned before, um, like what she thought like the kind of like legacy identity of Audrey and the wing is. And she was just like, Oh, really confused brand identity. And that was first. And that was at first surprising to me because I think popular media tends to characterize the wing as like just impeccably designed and detailed and intact, like a stacked brand start to finish. But I do actually think Jenna's right that there actually is like some deep confusion at the heart of this. That's separate from the like, you know, margin of error of their like, you know, activist competencies or whatever um so the confusion is like a this they didn't know how inclusive or exclusive they were trying to be right which just like confused people of like what was even the value proposition of the whole thing um but i also think that audrey like wanted to create something in her own image but that was simultaneously available to and representative of like this ever-expanding definition of, like, everyone. (laughs) So, and then she didn't really have, like, the standalone charisma or something to pull it off. So, so she became, as the CEO, as the founder and CEO, she became synonymous with this brand that she had created, but she didn't even really fully align or reflect it, right? And that's, I mean, like, in some ways, that's a good thing, because, like, the wing what it became was like totally insufferable um and also ultimately like she's okay right like she like now she's just created a store and she can like answer to no one but herself and that's like what we all want (laughs) for our creative endeavors it's just like (laughs) just to just to just to get it out um I think people will remember her for the wing. I think she's like inextricably tied to what the wing was. And I think that, um, yeah, she is the quintessential girl boss. (laughs) She is the quintessential, like the wing is quintessential, like millennial core, right? So this is like, this is in the history books, right? Like she, she made a mark. She represents this period in time more than any other brands or arguably people do. Um, and to go back to the the point I made around what qualifies someone as a star girl, like truly Audrey Gelman is peerless. Like I don't, I can't think of anybody who can be a stand in for millennial core girl bossery <laughs> like she can. Um, I, I will, remember her at what I consider to be her best. So um, this was 2016 Tribeca Film Festival and she wore this like green and yellow and pink woven almost like tweed like Chanel shift dress and it falls just below her knees and her hair is done in two long tight schoolgirl braids and not French braids, just like straight braids. And she has these blood orange colored bobbly earrings and pink lipstick. And she's holding this like strawberry pink cube shaped Chanel bag. Um, it's like, it's so cute. She literally looks like Easter basket with braids. Like it's my two of my favorites. Um, I couldn't find this photo on her Instagram anymore, but I was able to track it down on Google images 
and this was the first time I had ever seen a full body shot of the outfit, and she is wearing black pumps with the, I was, <laughs> it looks insane. It looks, it looks so, so insanely bad. Um, so yeah, I remember her from the picture that I saw originally, waist up, looks like a Polly Pocket. That's, that's how I remember her. Thanks for listening, guys. And see you next week. Bye-bye.